Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me, Joel, a playwright and performer. And it's me, Kishan, a science educator. And welcome back to T42. It's our best friend podcast where we talk about whatever, whatever the, the Friday, Friday it is. Yes, today is Friday. Friday. Yes, we're recording on a Friday. You're, uh, hearing, you're hearing our voices from the past. Yeah, I mean actually, <laughs> right, I was going to say TGIF, but then I realised that there is no difference for me. <laughs> yeah, la, correct. It's like, as a freelance arts worker who's currently unemployed, it's like, <laughs> what's that about? For me, Friday, there's a real feeling to Friday and there is a real feeling, it's, a, it's no joke, no, there's a real feeling to Sunday evenings. Do you still have that? There, Do you still have that, like, Sunday sian feeling? There is a real, there is a real Sunday sian feeling in the mm. evenings and it's really like, ugh. I'm sorry. But then you just watch something and then you eat something and then you go to sleep. Yeah, but you also have, like, <laughs> CPF and income stability. Correct, la, correct. You know, so that one cannot. That one, mm, yeah, complain. You better don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to ask you? Oh yeah, September holidays coming soon, right? Oh my god, I'm counting down. No, any no, plans? No, not, only, not only September. <laughs> I was going to say any any travel plans. <laughs> not not only September holidays, but Teachers Day is coming. So, excuse me. Yeah, so. <laughs> For me la, Teacher's Day la. <laughs> You're not supposed to accept students' presence already. No la, you don't la, but it's just nice <laughs> to like have a day and like go, yes, yes, we did all that. <laughs> okay. No mm. la, it's just nice. It's just a nice day. I remember like once I bought a very expensive pen for my favourite teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was very awkward. <laughs> Why was it awkward? I don't know, because it's like, she was like, oh, I can't accept this. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. If it's, if it's extremely expensive, they have to declare. So I kept the pen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing you can do. My favorite gift from a student is a cup that is it's a black cup that when I put something hot in it, it changes. Oh, just color. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Color and, it, and it changes to the class photo and they have the cheek to say, my favorite class. So I go around holding the mug and it says, <laughs> my favorite class. Actually, you know, it's something quite ghostly it's really about funny. something quite ghostly about that. It's like... <laughs> When you yeah, when you least expect it, like the hantu of all of your class, all of your students just turn out on the mark. Alright, it's time for our favorite segment. Pandemic potluck. The fitness foods edition. Ooh, fitness foods. <laughs> Is it you bring um protein shake? Protein shake, correct. Or actually I don't know what other fitness foods. I think uh chicken breast. Chicken breast. Chicken breast. Unseasoned. Unseasoned. Maybe of a, po- a maybe a bit of black pepper. Then there's sous vide, the thing is it? Sous vide. Sous vide la! Uh, uh, very limp broccoli. <laughs> very limp broccoli. Edamame beans. Edamame beans are a fitness food. I think there's a lot of protein in them, I believe. Uh, okay, turkey breast. Turkey breast. All sorts of breast, okay, la. Like some kind of like granola bar situation. Fitness mm, bar, fitness, fitness bar. Fitness uh, I think that's all they eat, la. I think, and self-loathing. <laughs> <laughs> so terrible. Yeah, um... <laughs> So, I mean, the reason we're starting with fitness foods is because um, for today's pandemic potluck, we're going to bring up the subject of fitness. Yes, Joe's favourite topic. Yeah, my absolute <laughs> favourite topic. I have a confession to make. Yeah, so <laughs> some, something's been happening in your life, Joe. A new development. Oh my god, I don't know how to admit this This to... is confession time. Yeah, so right. Like, forgive me, Father, I have sinned. <laughs> I have started a running habit. <gasps> A running habit. habit. Okay, I'm very ashamed of it. Really? Yeah. It's like Take I us through this running habit. I don't know where it started, but one day I just like went running once and then like really enjoyed it, right? And then now I just can't get enough of it. And if I don't run, I go into these withdrawal syndromes. I need you now to just kind of imagine me behind this like hazy mosaic thing to censor my face, you know. <laughs> I'm sitting in like a like crime watch. Yeah, yeah, like crime, crime watch. watch. And then a silhouette. It's your silhouette right? la. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean like okay, I okay. I was gonna say long time listeners of the podcast, but then like, what's that, right? <laughs> We've been around for quite a while. We'll know. I mean, also all my <laughs> friends will know that I am, I have in my life been very fitness averse, mm, right? Correct. But I have recently started running, 
So like I go on like five kilometer runs every morning. That's not bad. Yeah. Like, every morning, sis. Well, I mean, I take breaks in between, lah. Which but you should. It started yeah. out with like my, uh, walking right because during the lockdown, like I was going insane, and the only way I could kind of like stay on top of things was if I went for these long walks every day. Right. And then. I went on these walks, right? And then the walks would be, like, hour long. And then, like, I started, like, walking faster. Okay. And then, like, uh... Then one day, right, as I was walking, I suddenly felt this, like, urge to run. Does oh that my make God, sense? It's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it was truly the Holy Spirit <laughs> walking through my jams, right? And it's like... My my son, you can walk now. You can fly. Mm, <laughs> correct. That's, that's essentially it. And so, like, I, 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 I was like, okay, then the next day I just went out. I started running and I haven't stopped since. Yeah. It's like an addiction. Isn't no see that addiction is is a real thing, right? It's the runner's high that you feel that you crave. See, I love running. Yeah, I know you do. I, I enjoy it very much. I like running on the treadmill. I like running out outside. I like running all the time and I get a real high from it. And it makes me very, very happy. Mm. So this is exactly what you're experiencing, I guess. And all I can say, sis, is, you know, welcome to the club. Well, I am <laughs> generally worried about my knees. Because, mm. like, you know, the reason I avoided running all my life was because, like, I didn't want to... Uh, I already have very bad feet. So I have, like, gout and bunions, right? So mm. that's sexy as fuck. But then, like, I thought, like, it's okay. Like, it's like a geriatric leg. Welcome to T42, the geriatric issues podcast where we discuss things like lack of glucosamine in your body. Mm. And osteoporosis. <laughs> osteoporosis. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but you know, that knee thing is a real thing. Yeah. So I, I developed this running habit when I was in JC and I used to run for hours. It was really bad. Did you say run for hours? I used to run for hours. Kishina is not normal. No, no, it's not good. It really fucked up my knee uh, to the point that I had to go for an operation when I was like How, wait, 20, 20 something. Where would you run? Uh, just around my neighborhood. For I would run to Bado. hours? I would listen to music. It was really, it was a way because I was very stressed what out. What were you running away from? Uh, no, I was stressed out oh. in JC from studying. I was just very stressed out. Mm. So the running was a way for me to just let it all out. It's and also really like those it. like teenage hormones, I guess. Maybe, but it, you're, you were right on the money uh, on the fact that it could really fuck up your knees. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, what I enjoy about it is not so much the high that I get, right? I still suffer. <laughs> but like, once you get past the suffering, right? Then it becomes this thing of like, oh, my body can actually do this. That is the high. Yeah, oh, is that Isn't it? Isn't that the runner's high? Like, you go through this bit of shit for a while, then after this, you suddenly take a hard ride or something, and then your body goes, oh, you know what? I can do this. Mm. And and that, that's actually runner's high. That's actually the hormones just flooding through your body, the endorphins or whatever, and you feel good. Okay, I mean... Happiness is not something you're used to. Lah. This is a new feeling, is it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, dear listeners, I wish you could see the look of affront on my face. I mean, it's true. It's true lah. Mm. It's like, I'm just not used to feeling good in my body when it comes to exercise because I've had a very tortured relationship with exercise. Right. Like, from a young age, right, exercise, I was a really fat kid, mm. right? And actually, I've been fat most of my life, right? Mm. Until, you know, I've had bouts of thinness, now included, I guess. Um, and then, like, as a kid, I always associate the exercise with embarrassment, humiliation, shame, and suffering. Why? As a kid? As so, a kid. So what happened as a kid to make you have this association? PE lah. Oh. You know, like the PE teachers... Like the like, tough club? Yeah, I'm tough club. Um, PE teachers back then were really mean mm. to fat kids, right? And like, I, I think this is because like in the 90s when we were kids, right? There was really this national movement to get the nation into shape. Remember like the Great Singapore Workout? Oh yeah, I remember yeah, that. And like this like nationwide fitness campaign. So I really feel like fitness became this national project almost. Well, uh, almost yeah. a national shaming project Yeah, actually. a national shaming project. Yeah. And then all the PE teachers were just up in arms about it, right? So, Probably because they had KPIs to meet. If yeah, you think but about also it. because I think back then... Not excusing this No, yeah, behavior. but I think also, yeah. like, the whole, um, you know, teachers learning to be better human beings thing yeah. feels like a fairly recent innovation. Oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> no, teachers back then were really mean, don't you remember? Like, yeah. they would take pleasure in capital punishment. They can be. They, they, no, no, not capital, not capital punishment. punishment. Corpor- corporal punishment. <laughs> oh, pleasure God. in capital punishment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I understand there was this there's this idea of a 90s teacher who was a strict disciplinarian yeah. with a meter ruler. And like, I, went a bo- I was in a boys' school somewhere, like, so it was oh, really no holes really barred. No, yeah. And like, so, I mean, on top of that, the fitness regime was very like, you know. What was it like? What, uh, I, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably in a boys' school, fitness was a real thing like you know, people were stacked up against how fit they were yeah and, and how sporty they were and how sporty my PE teachers would shame you 
against another person, probably. Is that right? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I once like had like some breathing difficulties during class, right? And then the teacher said it's because you're so fat. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And then it, I, I was like, oh, my legs hurt. Yeah, it's because you're so heavy. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. And then like you know the the every few weeks we would have a weigh in, right? So that they could wow. sift out the this like a reality yeah, TV so show. Yeah, so they could sift out the fat kids and send them to club, right? Mm. So I mean, the school was taking regular bio data from you. So like, I was like measured all the time, and like the ritual of going up to the weighing scale was so traumatic because like you knew everybody was looking. Wow, I can see why this yeah. how this really fucked you up. Kids, it's like kids find everything embarrassing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kids find everything humiliating. It's like, okay, it's very easy to humiliate a kid, I guess. Yeah, it's very easy to humiliate a kid. I think, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about the resiliency of children. In different aspects, yeah, I but, guess. But yeah, you but, are right yeah. that it's very easy to also shame children. Yeah, I was a very know? self-conscious kid because I was so fat and like all the adults and children in my life never stopped pointing it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I learned the word obese at a very young age. Mm. So anyway, so all of this to say is basically like I have had a very tortured relationship exercise and I've always associated it with like um, shame so it's like even running outdoors right I used to find a shameful activity wow because I just didn't like to be seen struggling to run right yeah so it's it's, it's how you outwardly it's your outward appearance as you Correct. are exercising and because that you fat associate people with shame. look like they are suffering when they exercise right and you know the struggle of that I found very embarrassing to like uh, to show to other people right yeah so how do you square your wanting to or your taking to running now and, and, and on some level even enjoying it I don't know you know like it, I, it, it, it just I don't know how to answer that question it's mm. something that I'm working through it's mm. like I'm probably being overly dramatic about it and people are People are probably going like Joe, just like suck it up. No, right? I think your emotions are valid. I think I think you've gone through. I, I was there for part of all of this as you as in your university days. Yeah. So <laughs> if you know, you know. No, I guess it's like I I I I think what I reject is the whole like um working towards a kind of body aesthetic type of fitness journey, right? So like there are a lot of like gay men who get fit in an aesthetic way. Sure. So I don't see this as part of that. For me, it's like. Uh, I'm not trying to like attain this kind of like super t- toned body. Okay. For me, it's about like keeping myself moving, and challenging what my body can do. So I guess I'm learning what the limits of my body are because I used to not be able to run this far or this long. Yeah. And now I guess because like I'm building out all this stamina mm. and I'm building it into a daily practice. But the consequence of this is then your body will then take a shape. Which you associate with you associate something negative with because it gets into a slimmer fashion. Right? I mean, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves, lah. Who's to say I might not lose anyway? Or like... no, no, okay. Let, let, let's look at something that actually happened. Like when we were in London, right? Mm. What happened was that because we kept walking mm. all the time because the weather was just fantastic. Mm. We would walk distances that we would never consider walking in Singapore. Yeah, and I mean, there's that, and there's also diet and all sorts of things, and. Both of us lost a lot of weight. You, yeah. you more so than me, and so you inhabited a a body space that was vastly different. Yeah. From from what you from what you had when you were in Singapore. Correct. So, even as you carry out these activities, then your body, you know, wh- whether you wanted to or not, whether you wanted it to or not, moves into this space. But then, how do you how do you deal with this? Yeah, I guess like the. <sighs> I'm asking you a very difficult question. I know it's a very difficult question because <laughs> it's like. Basically, the question is like, how do you square weight loss with like this feeling? How do I square my weight loss with this indignation I felt all my life at people who with this body type? Yeah, uh, I I can't. Mm. It's it's there's I definitely feel like weirdly hypocritical most days about it. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, like I said on this podcast before, right in our, an early episode, it's like you never just because you your body changes doesn't mean that the history of your body goes away, right? The body never forgets. Yeah, the body that. never forgets these things. So I guess it's like so that's one thing. And I also like feel I quite enjoy the new nimbleness of my body, I guess. Being able to move through the world in a different way. Right. Um I I I, I do enjoy being able to like 
um, when you say move through the world in a different way, do you mean physically because of the extent of which your body can yeah. now move? Or is it... Yeah, but then the also, I think also socially, yes. right? There are definitely some benefits to weight loss. I mean, massive benefits, right? Like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like, people are, like, coming on to me a lot more than they used to. Yeah? Yeah, like, I'm getting a lot more attention here. So, like, you know... Like, which my, is a big deal. Yeah, one yeah. of my problems, like, when I used to live here... Uh, before moving pre London, yeah. pre London was like you know, I I found dating very difficult, right? Yeah. In that body, yeah. Uh, and then now that I've lost all this weight, right? Suddenly, I'm getting a lot of like, I mean, not I'm not saying like heaps of attention, but it's definitely but a, a great deal more, yeah, a great deal more, and like so that feels really weird, yeah. Because I'm there are some people who've known me from that time and who know me now who are like coming on to me now and I kind of oh. like yeah, I'm the same person, but clearly not, right? Yeah. So it's a very strange thing that I'm like don't really know how to navigate but I'm trying to proceed in good faith and not to doubt myself so much I guess this is a lot of trauma uh, this is a lot of trauma that you're kind of dealing with a little bit right I yeah mean, I don't know it's 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 you know whatever so you know what Joel like, here's to your fitness journey don't call it a journey I'm just don't, gonna call don't. It a f- that's the last thing we should call Ugh, it oh my god no Here's fitness journey Ew No okay Here's to your fitness Ew. experience Come on now. No before Like I cannot stand <laughs> When people start describing it As their Whatever journey Oh uh, okay it's, it's, like, it's not a journey It's not a journey Your life is a fucking journey You know <laughs> Okay so here's to this Newfound fitness discovery How's that Yeah No because also right Suggesting that's a All journey All I wanted to do was drink Where guys. does the journey end <laughs> Where does the journey end Where does the journey end huh? mm, Who knows Where does it start And where does it end that Must it have a destin- must, must it have an end point Doesn't what It's all about the journey Joel Why do you Why do you fix it on the end Oh god <laughs> <laughs> Cheers Fuck you <laughs> Alright, it's time for Lukewarm Takes Where two elder millennials That's us <laughs> Give us, um, give you uh, our lukewarm take On something that's happening on the internet Ooh, and what has been happening on the internet, Kishan? Ayah, you don't know, man You don't know, I really man. don't know I'm just too busy <laughs> eating cheese and drinking wine every day I'm a busy, like, playwright, okay? I think I got a lot of time, mm, man mm. Well, <laughs> unless you've been living under a rock in Singapore You probably heard of the whole Dikosh saga e- I'm just gonna call it the Dikosh saga Can we call saga. him something else? Can you call him, like, um No, I'm no Dishwash No, I'm I'm gonna call him Dikosh Saga. <sighs> I think dishwash. <laughs> Mama Lemon. <What>? No. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him Dikosh. Okay, fine. So just to give you the cliff notes. So uh, like a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago now probably, uh, someone uh, posted the receipts from a conversation that they had with Dikosh which allegedly uh, showed him soliciting for sex from a minor. Not, I don't know if it's minor, but uh, young boy. Yeah, young right? boy. And la, then like boy. more people piled on the receipt train. Right, And yeah. then like... So it blew up yeah. into this whole thing. Mm. And yeah, so, so... And then like he's since been like taken through the public cancellation yeah. process, right? Yeah, and Where it's he's a, been it's dropped from various platforms. Exactly. Yeah, he's being deplatformed. He's being cancelled. And then more than that, I feel like there's this massive, quite gleeful online mob that's been like... Right. Um, making this like the subject of the year. Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah. So now it's an ongoing investigation. So just, yeah, there's that to deal with. So a lot of people are, a lot of his uh, talent are just coming up to say their piece and then saying, "Oh, we can't comment anymore because it's an ongoing investigation," which is which is fair. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, that's like, that. I okay. So actually, right, we wanted to do a. Uh, we wanted to talk about this just as it was happening. So you know, last week's episode where we went into a deep dive on nature was actually meant to have like contained some bits where we talked about decosh. But then we sat down and looked at each other really hard in the face and like, <laughs> we are two people in our mid thirties. Yeah, like we have better things to do than like address this as the situation was exploding on the yep. internet. This is not at all to downplay the seriousness of the allegations. Yeah, you know, which is. Awful, right? And of course, it's like you know reprehensible. But I do feel like like a big aspect of the response to the decosh thing did feel incredibly juvenile. Yeah, it was just like a bunch of teenagers really getting up in their like getting up in their pants about the whole thing and like taking every opportunity to like kind of gleefully shout him down. Mm. And there was so much Schadenfreude. There's a real joy, I think, for for these inter- for the Internet Brigade to take someone down who's been so actively taking other people down. Yeah. 
You know, there's, yeah. there's all there's a lot of that. And obviously, like I think Dikosh is reprehensible. Like yeah, as I'm a, not a fan as, of his. I mean, like these allegations aside, his like the stuff he's produced, I'm not yeah. a fan of. I right? think I think if it's not already clear, before all of this happened, uh, neither Joel nor I were fans. Yeah, of I mean, like I've listened to his podcast, and like it, it, like some of that made me really uncomfortable. Where it sounds like he puts like people on the spot, right, and mm. asks them really difficult questions, and kind of like just digs into. Like their lives to get the the most salacious or scandalous, right? And then it's like, of course, this person, this person who is going to like uh, gonna these kinds of allegations, mm. right? Per- I mean, like, and I feel like on some level, right? The irony of the whole thing to me is that this person has been enabled precisely by this social media environment that is addicted. <laughs> To scandal and addicted yeah. to salaciousness and addicted to sensationalism, and in fact, the reaction to like these allegations, to me, actually is completely symptomatic of this culture as well, right? Yeah, it's completely symptomatic of this like scene that thrives on like tea, drama, tea and drama and shade. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm like, you created this person. And now you are like kind of taking him down as well. And I feel like the thing that a lot of people on the Twitterverse who are just kind of gleefully banging for blood don't see is that they are just as part of the problem as he is. Correct. I think yeah. it's a it's a whole larger thing that we we're talking about where social media creates a very distorted oh, view yeah. of reality yeah. that's out there, and we have a hand to play in this creation of this false reality, but we also perpetuate it by yeah. participating in in, in, in in the whole thing which is exactly what these people are doing right now yeah. in trying to take Dikosh down I mean I think the thing about the internet you know and this idea that it, and social media specifically that it distorts our sense of reality right it, it comes from this it's because we spend so much time on it and we put so much effort into curating these online avatars of ourselves right yeah. and we put so much of ourselves into it that it can really feel like like reality correct right but the, the truth is that it's it's neither real or unreal. It kind of sits in this in-between space. And I think it's because it's it's so it's in this uncomfortable space that we can sometimes like forget um you know how to situate ourselves within it. And it yeah. can feel like we put a lot of energy into these things, Correct. right? That ultimately you know can really feel like life or death, or can really feel like wow, this is culture defining or this is the this is the issue right now. Yeah. Right. But is it really? And then that complicates the the, the the actual issue that's happening in real life. And because now people are so confused over yeah. what is real and what is not, yeah. it just muddies the because waters even more. Because it's that thing more. where like, actually this is a case for criminal justice, right? But what's happening is on the internet, what, what's happening on the internet basically was a form of like, uh, vigilante justice. Yeah, right? it happens quite all, all too yeah, often actually. I mean, and, I mean, it's, it's that thing where, okay, you're throwing out all these receipts, right? It's like, sure, it looks really damning, but like, and, and we, of course, the burden of proof is on the accused, right? Yeah. Because like, in this culture, I think it's, it, it, it hooves us to believe uh, people who claim that they've been abused, mm-hmm. right? But then also, it's like, they're throwing out screenshots, they're throwing out screen grabs, yeah. right? Which is, and, and then, I mean, and then like what you see then is a lot of people going into these comments threads going like, oh yeah, but you know, how, rea- how reliable is that? And then how reliable is that? Oh, this could be anybody. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then it becomes this thing where like it creates this air of suspicion around what is essentially a bunch of people who've been abused calling out an abuser. And then because like it becomes this huge mob thing, it actually in some level jeopardizes that case. Sure. Potentially. And, and it- yeah. makes other people who have been victims of these things frightened to come out whether in this case or other cases right because they don't want to because I mean we always talk about how for victims to come out it's a very brave thing because mm. it truly is if you think about it you are putting yourself right front and centre for the public yeah. you know, to consume and and yeah consumption is that right and then part of that consumption is people throwing shade at you Oh yeah, part of, of that consumption is people shaming you part of that consumption is also people's Casting suspicion and aspersion on yeah. you, right? It's like uh, so. It's, it's a real. It's a really brave thing. So yeah. for 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 the vigilant for vigilante justice, vigilante internet brigade to all just come up at at you and throw this at you, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. So it is truly a brave thing, lah. I mean, on some level, I can see why this happens, right? Worldwide, like you think about how the whole Me Too thing, for example, right, starts out because people tend to get away with abuse. 
right? They're, like we, we say it's a criminal justice thing and that, oh, this should be something that's dealt with by the criminal justice system. But by and large, the criminal justice system has not brought a vast majority of like accused abusers to justice um, because it's a patriarchal... We live in a patriarchal society. We live in a rape culture, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, people who have been abused tend not to be believed. Right. Yeah. In, in, and and so I can see how like vigilantism becomes that becomes uh, a way out for these people. Yeah. Like, a way to get like, the justice. It's like yeah, you know, we are not going to get any justice through the court system. So we're gonna we're gonna fucking shame you in public, and we are going to deplatform you, and we're gonna take away uh uh all these things from you. And it's become such a powerful cultural force over the past couple of years that actually it's become really effective, right? And people gen there is genuinely a sense of disciplining. Around, around. There's a disciplining power that it has. Yeah, as well. I mean, it's not just it's not just when we talk about uh, this kind of sexual misconduct mm. sort of cases. It's true for the case of politics as well, mm. where people muddy the waters with, uh, with what politicians are trying to say or their political intent, mm. and then you have no idea who is saying what, and then just p- politicians just latch on this whole idea just to mm. confuse the electorate. It's just it's what we see happening in America all the time. Yeah, right? and and Trump with his Twitter posts. Basically, mm. social media is like. Whack mm. It's like No it's like we think it's real But actually All these people are playing Versions of themselves mm. it's, it's so like The one thing that really Irritated me right Was in the wake of this Decosh thing All these other influencers Rushing oh, to yeah. like Align themselves In a way that Kind of fit their brand So it's like Oh I'm gonna play this Like my brand is like uh, I'm I'm kind of like Authentic And I'm all about Like positive vibes right So I'm gonna sure. kind of Weigh in here Saying like Oh yeah it's really terrible But maybe let's give the guy Like you know Whatever and then someone else whose brand is like, oh, I'm an edgy, like I'm an edgy bitch, right? I'm just going to come out and say, oh, you know, this is, this is, this is, that, yeah. that. So it's like, I don't know, like the influencer war. Yeah, there really that, was that, the influencer war. And yeah. it was really, it was really very tit for tat and very irritating to see. I know. Because it seemed like it clouded over what was actually the bigger picture, which right. was the, the allegations, right? Yeah. yeah. And then everybody just kind of desperately trying to align themselves with the correct moral position. It, you know what it became? It became entertainment. Yes. Which is a problem. Problem. The whole thing became theater. Yeah. It became a spectacle. It became it became an episode yeah. of it became like the latest episode of whatever this social media like TV drama is, right? I think it's called Tanglin. Tanglin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you mean Tanglin? Oh Tanglin, sorry. Hmm. Is yeah. it American? <laughs> I, I remember lying up in bed reading these tweets and, and reading these statements and looking at all these like uh you know influencers coming out of all their like whatever's right and I'm just like you guys behave these influencers behave like they're some fucking like royal family and that yeah. they have disappointed their public or something and like oh now they need to make amends I'm just like shut the fuck up correct you know it's like if this were a school right if society were a school these are the cool kids like having yeah. a fight you know yeah, everybody and everybody else like is can. Everybody else can only like just watch from a distance. This is something that only happens in like the upper echelons of like influencer yeah. society, right? I'm just like, God, you guys really these guys really elevate themselves on a pedestal. And actually, everybody, we all uh, help yes, elevate. Exactly. These people. I don't think these people themselves elevate. Yeah, don't, no, no, they I mean, don't put themselves yeah. like, we all it's, put them there it's basically I, like a function of celebrity culture like, exactly basically celebrities and it just makes me so and I think sick. I think to give yeah. them a little bit of credit on some level as celebrities because that's what they are they have to have a position mm. they have to come out and say because they're all associated with with, with the caution on, on some on some level right and they have to state their their position on this mm. so I can see why they all came out and said what they needed to say but some of them did it did it in a very tit for tat way and like oh look look now no, this happened but ha, my, my thing like, is wow. right my thing is this is a nasty person yeah um you know whose content's not that great and he has been you know I mean like he's racist. racist he's racist he's also like um took down pretty please and Subas during the whole brown face thing uh which was kind of like a really kind of morally unconscionable thing to do at the time uh, and then, like as is recently emerged, he's also like he and Hersey took pot shots against Nicole Chu, right? The poet. Yeah, the poet. Just playing up bullying. He's a bully, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is, he's a nasty person, and this industry, this media, has too much power. Industry allowed him, yeah. you know, to make this kind of stuff in an unchecked fashion. 
in some way, the industry thrives off it because it's all about creating. Because it's content, what? Yeah. It's desired content. Let's face it, people find it funny. Mm. The Nicole Chu thing, even their fake apology, right, received so many hits. People really found it funny. Yeah. So, I mean, if people like it and this is the content that people put up, I, I can't blame them for putting out this content. Actually, I don't know. Can I blame them? I know. Actually, actually, do you think that they should take a moral stand? Even if society says, you know what? I want I want more of this. I want more of your bullying sort of content. Mm. As, as influencers, they should actually go, you know what? No, I'm not about that. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You know what the thing that scares me is? It's like, basically, the, with the Nicole Chu thing, right? Like, the, those videos actually sent hordes of people to go and attack her. Like. Yeah. And I think her, someone closely associated with her, like an editor or publisher, mm. couldn't stand it. And that she had to leave the country. No, no, Nicole from... said she, she had to leave the country. Oh, was it Nicole herself? You know what this reminds me of? You know, like, the RuPaul's Drag Race fandom? Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's exactly like this. Yeah? Right? It's like, they take what happens on this reality TV show and, like, the surrounding um, paraphernalia. Like, the all whole this, drama yeah, around it. All the drama that happens on comments, threads, and forums, and whatever, around the show, right? They take it so seriously. And, like... Um, something uh, a queen says on her Twitter can actually activate an entire bunch of these kids to go and attack another queen. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, so you know what this drums in for me? The point that basically this whole playing field is filled with teenagers. <laughs> this whole thing is a teenage medium. Yeah. It's like I have no time for it. It's so juvenile. Yeah. It's and frankly, it's like I feel like we've been we've 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 we've, we've dipped it too much even. It's like honestly, it's just the a, a lot of very smart, savvy, in, uh, like internet savvy kids who have all the passions and lack of discretion of your average teenager activated as a horde, right? <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's the most horrible thing to have. But you know what? It's also the most powerful thing to have if you're an influencer and you have this horde of teenagers that you can just cast out like the undead. Yeah, or like, <laughs> on, on the, or like the flying monkeys in yeah, Wizard of Oz, right? right? They're like the flying monkeys just like, attack my pretties! I wish, <laughs> honestly, I wish I had that kind of like huh? power. It's right like not. the things I could get done. Right, the bunch of Xiao Mimis you just let loose like, yeah. go, go! Or in my case, Xiao Boy Boys maybe, oh, okay, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of think that might be my, if, if I did have a fan base, it'd probably be like, Ati twins who, Oh yeah Not Kopitiam uncles ah. I doubt ah. <laughs> I really doubt The Kopitiam uncles Have very much Time of day for me mm. <laughs> Speaking of Cell boy boys Right <laughs> Where are we going With this No I mean like Since we're talking About social media I thought right. like, like I should share With everybody My new like Okay first of all I'm back on the Dating market Because mm. like Sad news My boyfriend <laughs> from London broke up with oh, me. Oh, is it not because you've now taken up running? <laughs> wow. Wait. Wow, let's unpack that, Kisha. What the fuck does that mean? It's just because I start running, I can date again. What? 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 You go and check your... Check your values. You go and check yourself. No, I'm now single because my boyfriend broke up with me. Um, yeah, it's fine. I, 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 I cried for like a few days, but I'm okay now. Mm. Uh, if you want to make me feel better, maybe uh, you can send me money. <laughs> Yeah, but um, your girl's back in the market again. Yes. Um, I have like so I'm back on all the apps, right? Like Tinder and um, well, mainly Tinder. I I don't use Grinder because like it's a shithole. It truly is. Right. Okay. But actually, my dating app of choice, right, is Instagram. Instagram. And I just okay. I just need to share this because I Kishan doesn't understand me. Okay. No one like I've talked to understands how Instagram is a great dating app. Like how how does no one like, can I get some agreement here from no, our No, no, it's, it's not that I don't understand. It's just that I, I totally agree that Instagram is a really good flirting platform. Yes. Right? I yeah, have... but it's just not a go-to app for me for dates. No, I feel like, right, it's like the payoff from planting like flirty seeds in Instagram mm-hmm. are much better than the more direct access to people looking for dates on, say, Tinder. Right? Sure. It's like on Tinder, okay. everybody's looking for dates, right? So when you search, search, and then you match, whatever, and then you go on dates, like more often than not, you meet kind of like 
duds, right? Or like it's not great. But because on Instagram, the game is so much longer, and it's <laughs> like you are like it starts out with sliding to the DMs, and then you start flirting, and then it's like you really work at it, right? By the time it comes round to the like like the really salacious content, or like hey, let's go out for a date, you know, you've kind of like you know what? I think both of them function. Both of these apps function very differently. Yeah. Like Tinder. Let's face it. People are looking at people are looking for a fuck. No Tinder or Grinder. Most Is of the time, people. Are, I think I think Tinder and Grinder. No, people, I feel people okay. are looking for With, a fuck. In my experience as a gay person, right? Yeah. Uh, like Grinder is more of a look for a fuck kind of thing. Okay. Whereas Tinder, okay, there's aspects of that on Tinder. I believe, like, like, and I guess you, like, I don't know. And straight people, I think, use Tinder for fucking because they don't have Grinder, right? Right. But um, gay people use Tinder more for dates because. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like you've already got grinder. So if you're on Tinder, you're looking for a more wholesome situation. Right. Okay. So yeah. for, for me, Instagram doesn't fit into any of these categories. Yes, that's it, why it's so great. It is not. It's not automatically made for dating or even for like a let's meet a fuck person like a, a, sure. a function, right? So when you said like when I'm on Instagram and I'm I'm on it for the long game, you know, it's a long game sort of thing. I can totally see that happening yeah. because it is made to be that. It's very much like the. Like a little bit more sexy version of MSN Messenger. You know? <laughs> or even like more recently, remember like when you could poke people on Facebook? Oh my god, that's been a while. Yeah, and I don't know I if like that. the intention was like... Fuck. <laughs> I mean, nowadays it's a bit hard to unsee that lah, but mm. I'm pretty sure back in the day it was more innocuous. It was very friendly. Yeah, like, I would right? poke it's people like I poke, all the time. Yeah, I would just kind of like poke you. Yeah. Nowadays you can't even say nudge without you feeling a bit sexual, right? Correct. We're truly, this is like we're living in the age of wet ass pussy, so it's like <laughs> yeah. nothing is innocent anymore. Correct. But yeah, I was so just, how was the Instagram? How, how was Instagram okay, work for my, you? What's my process? Yeah, right? what's okay. pro- I want to know. So it's always the story. I'm taking notes. It's sister. All, okay. First of all, like you see someone cute, then you follow them, right? You start liking, selectively liking some of their photos, right? More recent <laughs> ones, preferably, so you don't look like one of those like deep dive creeps. No wait, I'm gonna stop you right there. Backtrack. Like, how are they your friends to begin with? Like, how how do you find them? Like, you might not be oh their okay. Friends, so but... it's like you see them on your friend stories or. You you know they sometimes they appear and you discover very rarely, but it's usually like okay. So the thing I like about Instagram, you tend to like find people you, you who are kind of like within your orbit. True. So that's good as well, right? So there's a kind of like oh they've been screened already by your mm. friends in a way, and then like um so I was saying my process is like you start out with like you know like a couple of their photos to kind of try get their attention, and then like if they follow you back, then you go like mm-hmm, <laughs> and then they like some of your photos back, right? And it's like okay we're on. And then begins the slow game of like responding to the stories. Okay. This, oh. Yeah, this was great, right? So like you need to find the best kind of story to respond to. And in my experience, it's animal posts. <laughs> posts about animals are always neutral ground. If you're respond if you're responding to like a, a cute selfie they put on their story, it's too obvious already. And it's so kind of is like, it like animal posts? You can also put po- you can also comment about the post, but also make a side no, little no, no, comment no, no. about it's them. Nothing even like that. It's really you're looking for an in basically to Go into their DMs without sounding like a creep, right? Because if you if you if they put something cute and then you put like a kind of like like hee hee emoji, right? It's like <laughs> girl, girl, <laughs> some subtlety, please. But if they posted a picture of a cat and then you go in like and you go in with like kind of like oh, and then they go like ah ha ha back and then you go hey and then oh hey and how are you and, and right? And so then, it's a bit yeah. disarming. Is it like it's it, it, no? You're finding a way in that. You're just isn't, finding a way yeah, in that is not a creepy way. Suspending okay. a level of healthy ambiguity about what your intentions might be, which All is safe sorts for of manipulation. It's, no, it's sister. safe for both parties because it gives you a safe place to test out the interaction without like anything weighing too heavily over it. Whereas on Tinder, the thing that's weighing over all of this is I think a cute. Sure. Like, yeah. So you know that's like it takes some pressure off and you can be kind of like flirty and friendly with each other first. Right. Before you proceed to sending each other dick pics. So What? Wow, that's that's <laughs> no, a real escalation. Like, yeah, I mean gay men escalate quite quickly. <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten dates and other things out of Instagram and I really like I think it's a great dating app. I just wish someone would agree with me because I feel like I'm having a monologue all the time when I talk about Instagram as a dating app. Can mm. I please get some agreement? No, from no, no. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure out there people use it for the same, the same thing. The the big question now on everyone's mind, or at least my mind, is that since that we've, we've talked about it, have we now pecha your lobang? <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody listens to this podcast. Was, was, oh shit! Oh shit! <laughs> 
I mean. So if you receive, uh, so uh, in high internet, if you receive a uh, all response uh, to like a cat or a dog or like a parakeet, Joel's flirting with you. Aiyah. Uh, <laughs> no, I might not be. I might genuinely just be responding to a cute cat. Aiyah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what are you going to say? <laughs> Alright, time for our third and final segment. Mm-mm. The return of What to Watch at the End of the World. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> because, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but the world is still ending, right, Kishan? Yeah, I think it's yeah. a very protracted cause of, like, uh, uh, apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, even though I feel everybody's a bit more relaxed about the pandemic, right? Mm. It's still happening, you know? It's still happening. We are still living in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. Can, can we take a moment to, like, just acknowledge that. Can, yeah. Like, let's did, take a like. Did you let's think let's that take we a moment of silence this? to acknowledge that we're still in a pandemic? Yeah, that's about as much. And we're done. That's, that, that is like precisely how many fucks people seem to be giving. Yeah, which is a bit scary, lah. To be perfect, perfectly honest. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but it's a nice way to segue into um our recommendation for the week, which mm. is what is it, Kishin? It's this Netflix series called Unwell. Unwell. Yeah, which is a six-parter that talks about... It's a documentary, right? Yeah, a six-part, yeah. a six-parter documentary that talks about wellness. Mm. Or, or rather the, the wellness industry. The wellness industry, yeah. exactly. And I really enjoyed... I, I yeah. went through the whole thing in one sitting. I, I went through like all six episodes really, really quickly. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Mm. So just to give people a sense, right? Each episode dives into one like um field let's put it like a one kind of like wellness trend that's kind of taken everybody by storm and it does a kind of deep dive into the like the goods and the bads like yeah. the pros and the cons and people like the detractors and the and the champions so you've got like um things like uh people drinking breast milk right like bee a, therapy bee i think therapy, like therapy ayahuasca, ayahuasca uh tantric sex tantric sex that's and right there's one and more. essential oils essential I oils and i believe yeah. that's all of them right yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so i think we, we nailed it but but yeah, I mean, um, when when I was watching these things, I was I was I, that's exactly why I liked it because mm. the show had no narrator, you know, right. which to me was quite interesting because then there was no point of view. Like you just you just basically listen to people talking, right? And you just hear their points of view and their personal relationships with yeah. with this wellness aspect. So it seems like to you, the show doesn't seem to make any judgments about. I don't think it did because it really swung back and forth between yeah. oh, this is a real wellness thing or it's a, it has real scientific value or, mm. and then a scientist comes in and go no, this is bullshit mm. and then it swung back again and then back again. Mm. So I thought it it left me feeling confused, which I liked. You know, I thought like oh, what is what what the hell is this? You know, yeah. I like the confusion that I felt at the end of the day. But I think the main question I had when I saw all these uh, six episodes, after watching the six episodes, was why is wellness such a big thing? It's it's, yeah. it's a few different strands, right? It's on one level, a sense that I think all of us have that something about the world we live in, which is like capitalism on steroids, yeah. right? late stage capitalism, that's forced us all into these really hectic lives that um you know it's everything's fast paced uh everything's convenient and you know uh uh there's something about our own wellness that we become quite detached from uh especially if you live in a big city right, right? yeah so and and this is the kind of sense you get from the someone for many of the people in the show right that they do feel like prior to finding these treatments they did feel like they 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 um kind of lost touch. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it's like, a lot of these white people, because it was just mainly mm. them, right? A lot of these white people felt that their culture has failed them. Mm. You know? So so they cannot find the solution to their problem. In tradi- uh, in, in Western in medicine. In Western medicine. Yeah. So they, they went away, they went out uh, to go and find alternatives. Yeah. You know, so ayahuasca, tantric sex, uh, what else? Like, even, even um, I don't know what the essential oils. Yeah. You know, so they wanted to look for other things to make them feel better, to to to, to let them, I guess, to assure them that you know what, yeah. there is still a solution with within themselves and with nature. Yeah. And you know, it's okay. So the philosophy of that is not wrong, right? I yeah, don't think I, so. I get a lot of it, like the sense that actually nature does offer a lot of solutions to our problems, right? If we were, if we really went to spend time in it. And yeah, being more mindful and spending more time getting in touch with, you know, your own biorhythms can in fact be sure. very healthy, right? Um, but I think what the show exposes is like 
when it becomes corporatized. Yep. And 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 when a lot of these um Eastern especially practices become appropriated with no knowledge of like their origins or their cultural roots, right? Then it becomes super problematic. Correct. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for abuse, mm. right? When you blow this up into a very capitalistic yeah. sort of sense. And it's not just abuse in like, let's uh, let's get people's money, like ayahuasca tourism. Mm. I think I think that was mentioned there. But there was abuse in terms of like rape culture. Yeah, so in the tantric know? sex one, yeah. there's this really like trigger warning kind of like, a horrible like sexual abuse strand right where because you know it's it's basically a kind of practice where people are encouraged to be very in touch with their sexuality with other participants right a lot of women became very vulnerable to uh, abusive yeah. uh, leaders in the community um and then uh yeah it was just it's just yeah, very nasty it was... reminds me of that other netflix documentary the one about like that like sh- like shambolic yogi oh I can't name? remember his name yeah. now the very famous uh, yogi yeah, yeah who basically is now being named as like a major abuser right yeah. so like there's something about these communities where there's a lot of trust uh, and there's a lot of like cult cult like admiration for these leaders exactly. that, and then they would do anything that yeah. this yogi tells them to yeah. you know and uh, much of these things is basically rape lah yeah. right and, it, and again, it's not just rape or, or, or cultural appropriation. There was some stuff that was really potentially health like threatening, you mm. know. I think the, the one that really got to me was fasting. Oh, um, I remember fasting, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, on this episode, they talked about the, the benefits, apparent benefits of intermittent long, fasting, uh, and, intermittent long, fasting and, long-term and long-term fasting with water. And then... That just sounds like um the diet I got into when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I was trying desperately to lose like uh, 15 kilograms. Oh, dear. Yeah, and I did in two oh, months. Did yeah, I did. Wow, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Some people mm. would just call that starvation yeah, or an correct. eating disorder, but fasting works. <laughs> yeah. So like they had this yeah. fasting, fasting retreats, fasting right? Retreats, yeah. where they would, and it blows my mind. They would eat nothing for twenty eight days except water. They would just drink water. I'm sorry, what the fuck? But then the body basically starts to the cannibalize claim, itself. Right? The claim is that if you just leave the body alone, this is truly the claim. Uh, if you just leave the body alone, the body will repair itself. And this, the, this uh, owners of these retreats would say, oh, if they really leave the body alone, they the body can cure themselves of anything. Please, who are you trying you to... You know, actually, kill? there is a strand running through here within all of these wellness practices, which is this sense of like the pristine state of nature, right? The pristine state of the uncivilized, the unsocialized, the unsophisticated human body in untamed nature. Yeah. It, so it, if it, you if you let go of all of these like, um, you know, social constructs and you let go of all of these um, things that tie you down, um, you, you know, you can finally get back in touch with a pure, authentic... Correct. Own, yes, which, which actually is, is like... No, there's no such thing. Yeah, no, but yeah. which is why this is very appealing to white, white people, people and because white they people basically, live in cities. Yeah, they yeah. basically went around. I mean, colonialism once again comes to the picture, yeah. right? Because like they, they, you know, if there ever was a pristine nature, not that there was, mm. they, they royally fucked it over. The science of it also got to me, which mm. I was really like trying to find out whether this is real or not. Especially stuff like breast milk. Yeah, there was this whole episode where uh, they talked about. Adults the- drinking breast milk to bulk up, yeah, you know, or the benefits of breast milk, uh, uh, the health benefits of breast milk yeah, but for adults. Equally, in the same turn, they said like a lot of breast milk contains like pathogens. Breast milk, breast milk should contain healthy, uh, good pathogens for yeah, but for like your baby one lung. of these scientists literally comes out and says it has the same bacterial concentration as sewage uh, because that was not properly treated. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was not properly <laughs> treated breast milk. It was just breast milk from like don't know where. But anyway, so. Because the the science is very out, okay? Uh, the jury is still out on the science, basically. And I think people need to understand that a lot of these practitioners for whatever wellness trade, right? Whether it's essential oils or fasting or the bee sting therapy, they are so... They are, they are so stubborn with the fact that their wellness trait is actually working mm. that they don't pay attention to the scientific evidence when it tells them otherwise. Yeah. I think scientists would be more than happy to agree when mm. if, 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 the, if the evidence really says, you know what, fasting works, we should all do it. Yeah. You know what, beasting therapy is great, we should all do it. If the evidence truly points there, scientists would not knock it down. You know, I, I would like to think so, scientists would knock it down. But there's, there's evidence to show that some of these things are dangerous. Mm. And these advocates are just like, oh no, 
I'm not going to listen to them is definitely right. Yeah, because there's this inbuilt suspicion of like of science. science. I don't understand. So we we're, we're now moving to a world which, which, uh, which seems to take science as an option. Mm. You know, uh, oh, that's your scientific. That's your oh, that's you your scientific believe be- belief. Yeah, that's your that's scientific your belief. belief. What the hell? You know, <laughs> what the hell does that mean? So that to me was very frightening because I remember that the guy who was one of the one of the guys in the show who had the fitness retreat, who was the owner of the, oh, the fasting, fasting retreat one, yeah. rather, said that if God were to call him right now and tell him, you know what, you got it wrong with the fasting, he would tell God, okay, thank you for your opinion, that's fine. And wow. then blew my, that's like the epitome of like, okay, hubris, you really don't want, right? yeah, hubris, yeah. you just don't want to listen. I guess the stakes are very high, law, because it's like, this is an entire worldview, right? Which, like, an entire worldview and an entire philosophy of how the body works, that like, it's being upturned, lah. Yeah, that, and I guess maybe it's even this sense that science as we know it, right, to these people, is not really science or that it's, you know, got its own agenda or it's got its own paradigms that aren't interested in looking at things the same way they are. So it's, I can totally see, like, why, like, these fanatics, you know, kind of reject everything because, like, if they don't, then they've got nothing to stand on because yeah, their whole thing I mean, is about rejecting science as we know it, right? Yeah. I, I guess but some of these things talk about it as if it's scientific so you can't yeah. have it two no, ways that's you very, know that's very tricky yeah, yeah so you really can't have it two ways I know I, I just find the whole like wellness thing really fascinating because it's 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 like it's marketed to us on a daily basis right like we've all been like sold wellness in some form or another. I remember as a kid, right? Like there were and there were these multi-level marketing schemes that people get involved in trying to sell people like noni juice. You remember noni juice? What the hell is noni? Noni is a kind of like of sour fruit la, whatever that's turned into this juice right that's meant to be very good for you or whatever and then really? like yeah my Chinese tuition teacher <laughs> was part of this MLM scheme to sell noni juice oh and my she God. would try and hawk it on my mother on a daily basis and whenever she came over and it was just kind of like candle nobody likes your like fucking prune, prune tasting sewage water juice it's I have like, no idea what this is but yeah. it's a very good business uh, yeah. sideline with I mean, like tuition w- yeah <laughs> so she was an entrepreneur this woman <laughs> but like yeah wellness is, is, is I guess like it's become this other thing that you can consume along with makeup and entertainment you know it's it's all been commodified into things that you can apply onto your body mm. um, it's part of what some like you know uh, theorists call a body project where mm. you know p- wellness is a way of investing capital into your body and conspicuously consuming to show that you know you are you're spending your capital in, in virtuous ways and in investing in your own body. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a way of like participating in consumer culture in a way that is ostensibly a lot more wholesome and right. good for you. So, and, See, that's the thing, yeah. right? If it is good for you, like for me, where I stand on this whole wellness thing is that if it actually makes you feel good, yeah. go ahead and do it. Because who knows? A lot of these things could be placebo and placebo is a, a very real, effect, real yeah. powerful force. You know, so many people might believe that this is this is actually beneficial for them. So, but but that's the thing. If it's really good for you, then go ahead and do it. Then mm. go ahead and and do this to your body and gain the benefits from it. But a lot of times, we many people just turn uh, want to believe that it's good for them. You know, mm. and 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 ignore the other side of the coin. I think I think we all need a huge lesson in scientific literacy. But I don't know. I just I just want people to have. As with anything, to mm. just read a little bit more and be more... If you're going to have... If, like, if we talk about control and we want to have control over our own bodies, reading and having an education about what you are doing to your body is control. Yeah. You know? That is. Yeah, but some people will hear me speak and go like, oh, that's an elitist way of looking at things. I don't know. But yeah. that's why, like, you know, mass education is such a priority, right? Yeah, no, it's really is. That said, though, um, so back to the series, right? Like, yeah. some of them were more interesting than others for me. So, like, I specifically found the episode on Ayahuasca and Tetric Sex very interesting. Oh, it really was, yeah. yeah. Both because, I think because both of these had a very clear cultural appropriation angle. Like, 
the ayahuasca one was really interesting because I, I, I've known of it for a while, right? I've had friends who've done it and, report, oh, wow. and reported all the like, wow, it changed my life kind of thing. Um, so for those of you who don't know, ayahuasca is basically... Um, like a plant-based yeah, it's a hallucinogenic. Drink, it's, a, it's, an hallucin- hallucin- it's basically a drink that contains some very intense hallucinogenic compounds that come from a plant, right? From a mixture of plants. And yeah. it originates um, from uh, South, Afri- South, South, South America. America. Yeah. Um, so Peru specifically in this episode, I believe right? so, yeah. And then it's become this huge thing where a lot of white people, right, from, you know, the global north, uh, and from the West, basically, go over to South America to kind of like have these ayahuasca experiences because they so they they, they go for these retreats or they go for these ceremonies. It's full on tourism. Yeah, it's full on tourism, right? Where they go and have these visions that are meant to be very healing or revelatory. And right? apparently, what I yeah. found out was that these people were, are not even supposed to take ayahuasca. Yeah. It's supposed to be the shaman so what, that took Yeah, that so takes what them. I learned from the show, which was so fascinating, is ayahuasca is not meant to be, like you said, consumed yeah. by the participant. It's meant to be consumed by the shaman who then provides healing and revelation to the supplicant. That was news right? to me too. And yeah. then I was like, of course now the white person wants to become the recipient of this like sacred drink, right? And to attain... So on a, on a cultural level, it's very problematic, right? It's yeah, like, of, of course. Of course, they want to become the receiver of knowledge and receiver of this like... Uh, to receive... Yeah. To, to also be on a shaman level, then, you know? Yeah, and then of course, like because, you know, these parts of the world um, could benefit from this kind of like tourism. Mm. Because they, you know, they give it up. They la. lean into yeah, it. They la. lean into it. Yeah, because it becomes, that's where the money comes from or what to do. Yeah, and it's problematic AF. But at the same time, I think the joy of the series is that it exposes how like problematic all of this is, but then it also goes, but yeah, actually it has these really powerful healing properties for people who, who seek it and know what they're looking for. Yeah, so those yeah. things actually, every time I feel convinced that this is nonsense mm. and then they show me a case study of for whom this actually helped and yeah. I'm like, Wow, that's actually very powerful to yeah. also listen to that side of the story. So, which is why I like the whole series because, as I said in the beginning, there's no narrator. Yeah. We are literally listening to people's stories yeah. with these things. I What I like about the ayahuasca thing is that, like, it suggests that, like, all hallucinogens, it actually takes you deeper into yourself. And yeah. it's something that I can't really believe that we are also, you know, I said earlier, we're also alienated from aspects of ourselves. Mm. That, like, in a way, sit, quietly with yourself and really recenter everything I think can be very powerful yeah correct like a heart reset yeah. right yeah. so like the tantric sex one I found very moving yeah because it's like um, so it's full of like uh, charlatans and cultural appropriators as well right which is like you know ten- basically appropriating from um, ta- the tantra right mm. which is like a kind of um, what, how would from you ancient from India, ancient, ancient Indian texts right? and yeah, um, practices, practice, right? Yeah. And then like kind of selling it as this kind of like hackneyed, bastardized version. Yeah. But then like when so they there was a scene where they showed um, one of these um, tan- tantric practitioners um, doing what looked like raki to me, which mm. is that thing where you hold your hands over someone and but pass energy. energy. Yeah. And then this man starts weeping, you know, and he's like really so he's a really fat man who's had a history of like. Um, uh, sexual abuse and he was saying that he's always hated himself right yeah and he, I, th- I believe the words used when he looks in the mirror he sees a fat man yeah yeah and you know and and, and then like what the session was helping him do was kind of realign with his own body and I related very hard to that right because it's like when I've had really good sex for example it's always been because the person I'm interacting with like helps me uh get in touch with my own body it's, through, it's the sense of touch la. and intimacy and it's like yeah, such, I can see that it's so rare touch is really important it's very important yeah it's very important yeah and so I don't know if it's ta- you know, tantra that she's practicing right or if it's really just a kind of radical touch and radical intimacy that's actually so lacking in yeah. our lives I think a lot of this is giving people the opportunity to do a little bit of recentering yeah. introspection yeah uh, what what is the word called? Like the buzzword is always mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's really giving people that opportunity. Like this this man that we're talking about is this big burly man mm. who who otherwise might have thought doing this would is not something that he no it's, it's not something that would fit his persona or like mm. would seem very not masculine. Yeah, you know. But giving him a safe space to do it. Yeah, really let everything Correct. all and out. Then actually, maybe it was the context and the surroundings. Yeah. and the and the. And the closeness of it that kind of set him off right not to suggest that maybe there's something in the in the in the method that she's using sure, with Lush, sure. which I really believe maybe is true yeah maybe yeah. but I don't know it's like I think like you know to zoom in on sex for a moment right really I feel like I think 
a lot of sexual culture is very toxic and like you know all the times that I've been with people and the sex has been very bad it's because they've not touched me or interacted with me like I'm a person it's very rote it's very like reproduced from pornography it's very mechanical or it's very like um, it's not present whereas all the good times have been very communicative and very honest and very personal and intimate Um, and uh, yeah and and so I feel like there's something to be said about um, re like how alienated we've become from ourselves A and B how difficult it is to repair that alienation and how I think all this wellness is a way to kind of bridge that gap and there are answers there I think but like they are lost amongst the bullshit I'm feeling very sleepy eh, Kishan eh? why leh? It's because I went for a five kilometer run this what? morning. For you, <laughs> you know, truly, like my sleep cycle has become very regulated. Yeah, exercise does help you reset. God, all you know what I hate the most is all that the benefits from exercise. Yeah, it's like <laughs> shut the fuck up, guys. You and your like wellness bullshit. It's like stop being right about it. Stop it. Uh, this is why I'm saying people need to listen to the science. No, Can you listen to I the ha- science? Oh, I just uh whatever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was also going to say that there's so many good documentaries on Netflix. Actually, yeah, one of my, really have like, a whole I bunch. watch more documentaries on Netflix than I do their, their like fiction and drama stuff. I can't say that's true for me now, but I'm switching a little bit. Like I find the documentaries a lot more entertaining. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I think there's no better way to like go into the apocalypse than like nonfiction. Correct. Find yeah. out more about the world that you're exiting. You what, know? Yeah, what we need is more reality. Correct. Yeah, more reality. <laughs> more please. of this. Not reality TV, but more reality. Just reality. All right. It's been another week of Tea for Two. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. This Thanks, has been everyone. Joel. And this is Kishan. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.